Welcome again, guys. And let's go ahead and kick it off with our first guest. He's a Northwestern MBA graduate. He has plenty of branding and advertising experience, national and international. Matt Williams has been the key role in such ads like FedEx and Geico. Have you guys seen the Geico Caveman commercial? Yeah. yeah. So Matt was part of the brainchild and who created that idea and concept. So I'd like to welcome from Virginia, Matt Williams. Everybody have their coffee? Mm -hmm. Everybody's good to go? Yeah. All right. I knew I was gonna have a good day today when I was when I was riding in here and my Uber driver got pulled over by the cops. <laughs> <laughs> really? So I got and it was right in front of this building, so I go to get out of the car and the cop is like, no sir, get back in the car. Okay, great. This is gonna be perfect. I am really, really happy to be here, and I'll tell you a couple of things before I start. Number one, I don't know a damn thing about printing. Um, but I know a little bit about branding, a little bit about advertising, and I want to I want to share that uh, with you all today. Uh, the second thing is, um, I want to do two things. The, the first is, I want to give you a bit of a framework that I think will apply to any business. So the fact that I know nothing about printing shouldn't matter. I can give you a framework that you can use to think about your business and you start to think about your brand. And the second thing is I want to give you some lessons that I've learned from some brands who have done this particularly well. And there's a big asterisk over my head right now. And that asterisk says I'm going to be showing some video and I don't want you to think that, wow, this guy's point is great as long as I have $50 million to spend on advertising and making TV commercials. I don't mean that. But video is a really good way to sort of illustrate how the strategic thinking behind brands can come to life. It doesn't mean you have to spend lots of money in, in, in video. In fact, you, you probably shouldn't. But I want to show some video to give some examples of how these kind of branding ideas can come to life in, in, in creativity. When I first met with Bruce, he, he was like, here's, you know, here's the question I want you to ask and start to answer. And that is that in a small company, with, uh, I'm a small company in a commodity business, why the hell do I need to worry about my brand? I'm worried about other things. I'm worried about throughput. I'm worried about production. I'm worried about staffing. I'm worried about um, uh, you know, marketing in general and products. Why the hell do I have to worry about your, your, my brand? The fact of the matter is brands are powerful, but brands are most powerful in commodity businesses because the list of things that can break the tie between commodity businesses is pretty freaking short, right? It's price and it's brand because everything else is pretty much a tie. Well, I don't want to break the tie with price. I, I'm sure you guys don't want to break the tie with price. There's this downward kind of death spiral that happens when a business gets relegated into a price battle. And I think that, that brand can be a great way to break that tie. And that is that, that, that people use brands to make simple decisions. And like it or not, even in a business-to-business -business environment, and I, I remember going to school and hearing People talk about business-to-business -business marketing and how rational it is, and how specific you have to be with, with, with uh, you know, with, with specific proof points and rational proof points if you want to win a business-to-business -business marketing battle. I think there's some truth to that, but there's not a ton of truth to that. The fact is, in a business-to-business -business environment, just like in a business-to-consumer environment, people make decisions based on emotion. People they like, people they trust, things they like, brands they trust, and brands can be a huge part of that. 
even in a business-to-business -business environment. So I want you to think about your brand as a way to break a tie. And in a commodity business, there's nothing more important than that, right? Um, the other thing that happens is, is I think as you guys grow your business, the brand can turbocharge that. So when you sit with, not just with customers, but you sit with partners, you sit with investors, you sit with people who are stakeholders in your business, when they have a positive feeling about your brand, they want to get involved, they want to do business with you, they want to talk to you about what you're doing, they want to, they want to hear about your business, and all of a sudden those people are now invested and they want to help and they can turbocharge your journey into to, to being bigger. So I think in a commodity business especially, brand is massively, massively important. So I want to talk about kind of how I go about thinking about brands, how I've gone about thinking about some of the brands like Bruce talked about, whether it's it's Geico or UPS or, or a bunch of other brands that I've had the pleasure of working with. Um, I was the CEO of, a, of an advertising agency for about five years, and I worked at that agency for, for 20 plus years and had a chance to work with a lot of really good brands, including UPS and Oreo and, and, and Discover Financial here in town. So, so some good brands and learned some things. But I want to give you a, kind of a, a framework before I get into some of the video examples that, that I think you can take away and start to use to think about how to build the, 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 the brand in your business and find the opportunity within your business. One of the things you'll hear in marketing is the best thing to do in marketing is to go out to talk to your consumers, find out what they want, so you can give it to them. I think that's wrong. I think that the best brands are, are brands and companies that start the branding journey from the inside, not from the outside. They don't begin by asking the question, what do my customers want? They begin by asking the question, what am I really good at? What do I have that got me the customers that I've gotten already? And how do I make something bigger out of that? So they start from the inside. So, so I, would, I would ask you guys, when you start to think about your brand, think about what your company does really well. Think about the thing that your customers who love you, love you for. What is that? That's the raw material of your brand. So, so this small circle, think of that small circle as the thing that people love you for. And think of that big circle as the branding opportunity to do more with that. How do you reinvigorate that? How do you get the people who love you to love you more? And how do you talk about that thing you know you're good at in a way that your customers and prospects can be drawn to? So start from the inside. Start thinking about your business from the inside as you start to think about your brand. As you do that, I want you to ask yourselves four questions. And the first question to ask, uh, and these are fairly simple, but the answering of these questions <laughs> is kind of complicated. The first question is, what are the business dynamics? What are the forces that define the future of your business? What is the business opportunity you're building this brand to create? What are you, what are you trying to do here, right? That could be about competition. It could be about white space you see in your business. It could be about uh, a challenge that your business is, is under from competition or in the, in the business environment. This is the thing your brand is being created to either offset or take advantage of, right? Answer that question. Here's the second question. What are you known and loved for today? This is not a SWOT analysis. This is a strength analysis. This is that process of saying, you're a business, you have customers, people who give you their hard-earned money, and they do it for some reason, and it's a good reason. What is it? That's the raw material for your brain. So go out and talk to these people. Find out what they love you for. Go to the people who love you and find out what they love you for. That's the equity you have that you're going to build around. Okay. Third question is consumer insight. And that is not about you, and it's not about your company. It's about the world your customers live in. 
What do you know about them that can help you connect to them better? What are the pressures they feel? What's important to them in their lives? Not just in their business, but in their lives. If you can start to understand that, then you know how to speak to these people in a way that they will find relevant and, and compelling, right? It's all building to this, which is your, your core competency. And what it is, is a way to think about the thing you do better than anybody else in a way that takes advantage of your current equity, that addresses the dynamics of your business that the brand is being built to create, and, or to take advantage of, and is talked about in a way that's responsive to the consumer insight. And what you'll find is when you talk about your core competency, you're not gonna just talk about the thing you do well, you're gonna talk about it in a bigger way. And you're gonna talk about it in a way that, that, that you can build your brand around. Let me give you an example of this, of this, this diamond process, and it's, it's for Geico. I, I had the pleasure of working with Geico for 23 years. So the agency I worked at was the Martin Agency, and we created the Gecko, we created the Caveman, we created all the, all the advertising you see for Geico came from, came from my agency, and it was a blast to work on. But the thing that was really cool about Geico was the process of thinking strategically about their brand. Because the, the, the work that you see in the advertising for Geico is, is very funny and it's cool and it's engaging and people really like it, but it has a very specific purpose. And it comes from going through that, that, that diamond process of asking yourself those four questions. So here's how it worked for them. And hopefully this example will help you guys. The business dynamics, when we looked at Geico, we saw a company that had a direct insurance model that was completely revolutionary. And that was, I don't have agents, you can reach me on the phone, you can reach me online. It's much, much cheaper. And it completely shook up the, the category of, the, of, of insurance, not just because we advertise different, but because Geico does business differently. And the business dynamic question was, how do I take advantage of that? How do I build a brand that can tell the world about this direct insurance model, right? Okay, that's pretty cool. Well, what do I have to work with? When I talk to people who love Geico, what they love about it is that they save me money if I'm a safe driver. This was 20 years ago, right? The problem is, what's a safe driver? You know, I don't know if I'm a safe driver. I had an accident. This is true. I had an accident yesterday. Um, yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> so probably not a safe driver. But um, they save me money if I'm a safe driver. That's cool. I like that. I can work with that, right? And it's connected to the business dynamic because it comes directly from their direct insurance model. Okay, start, start to fall together. Here's the consumer insight, and this was where it got really interesting. The rise of the empowered consumer and the vulnerability of paternalistic competition. What it really means is, if you think 20 years ago about the way I, I, insurance brands talked, it was all, you're in good hands with Allstate, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and Nationwide's on your side. And it was very kind of condescending to the policyholder to say, oh, don't worry, little policyholder. If you crash your car, we're going to be there for you. It's big and scary, but your insurance agent can take care of it. Well, there was a whole bunch of people out there who were like, well, that BS, my insurance agent is not going to help me. He's a sales guy. We know that. What I need is the cheapest insurance I can find and know that when I need to use it, and God forbid I, want, I, I never want to use it, but when I need to use it, I can pick up the phone 24-7 and I can talk to somebody and they can fix my problem, right? Super empowered, super independent. I don't need the overhead of an agent. I don't want to pay for it. I just want to buy this thing the government makes me buy as cheaply as I can, right? That's a new kind of consumer, and that consumer wasn't, wasn't connecting with brands that talked in this kind of paternalistic way. Huge opportunity for Geico. What it all boiled up to in this core competency was this idea of this direct insurance model was revolutionary in the category, 
saving money is pretty cool. I gotta keep doing that, because people love me for that. <laughs> I've got this new kind of consumer who's coming to the fore. I need to talk to him or her in a different way. How do I make insurance, <laughs> saving money on insurance, fast, fun, and easy? Because that's what's missing in this category, and that's what Geico does better than anybody else. So this, this process of kind of starting to pull this brand apart into its four components is what led to 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance at the get-go and all that kind of work. But it came from a pretty purposeful, strategic evaluation of what the brand's about. So, so I, would, I would give you this to say, when you go back to your offices and you start meeting with your teams and you start meeting with your co-founders and, and the people you run your business with, start to think in terms of these four things. You'll find interesting stuff. Um, you'll have to leave some things behind because it's a process of kind of ruthless exclusion. But when you think about your business this way, it'll reveal opportunities for you to build your brand around. Does that make sense? Okay. Stop me at any time. Ask questions at any time. You don't want to listen to me talk for 50 minutes because I will. All right. So take that framework. Use it as you wish. Um, the second thing I told you I wanted to do was was give you some lessons from some great brands and give you some examples of how those brands have acted on those lessons, right? Um, here's one. Who's your enemy? David had Goliath. Stories, you know, Ahab had Moby Dick. You gotta have an enemy. Stories are boring as hell if there's no conflict and there's no enemy. What are you fighting against? What's your business in business to fight against, right? Geico was in business to fight against insurance companies who felt paternalistic and didn't save you as much money as you deserved to be saved. So they built a company around it. And they built their brand around it. So you got to define your enemy. When you define your enemy in interesting ways, you can tell a really interesting story around it. The example I want to show is uh, from Under Armour. Um, and you guys may have seen this. It's a video they did a couple of years ago with Giselle, Tom Brady's wife. And the idea of this video was to define a different kind of enemy for, a, for, for an apparel company, for an athletic apparel company. Because it's easy to define in the athletic world your enemy as your opponent, right? A lot of, a lot of brands do that. But wouldn't it be interesting if you took this, this person, Giselle, and defined an enemy for her that wasn't an opponent, but it was kind of the, uh, the social media world? See, that's a cool way to think about the enemy, right? Who's, who's the enemy your brand is fighting? When you think about your business, who's the enemy your brand is fighting? What are you helping your customer overcome? Yeah. So, find an enemy. Um, the right brain, the emotional side of the brain, buys faster and with more conviction than the rational side. It's just true. And this is back to that kind of fallacy of business to business marketing that says it's a completely rational, uh, it's a completely rational endeavor and what you have to do is convince your customer based on rational arguments to buy your product over somebody else's. Obviously you gotta make your rational arguments, but you gotta do this in a way that appeals to something emotional. And that's why that, that corner of the diamond that is consum consumer insight, what do you know about these people's lives? And how do you use what you know about their lives to appeal to them in an emotional way. That's why that's so important, right? So you can't forget the right brain. 
you start to find the emotion, you start to find the thing that appeals to people's right brains and not just their, not just their left brains, and all of a sudden your brand can do some pretty awesome stuff. There's something emotional and interesting in, in what every company does. If you find the thing people love you for, you're going to find something emotional. You're going to find that you solved a problem for them that was really, really important. You're going to find that you, that you did something for these people's lives, or customers' lives, that was really, really important. Once you can find that and you can connect it into a bigger audience, that's when you can find some emotion to go with the rational argument that you make to a business-to-business -business audience. Okay? Make sense? All right. Build nests. What the hell's a nest? What do you mean? Um, I like this quote. People build brands like birds build nests. From scraps and straws they chance upon. All it means is that your brand is not about an ad. And your brand is not about a logo. A brand is not a logo. If you leave her with nothing other than that, I will have done some good here. <laughs> you know? Well, I gotta, I gotta build my brand. Doesn't mean I need to hire a graphic designer, designer to give me a logo. It's not what it is. Your brand is a sum total of all the things that people experience when they come in contact with your company. It's you. It's your associates. It's your offices. It's the way you talk. It's the way you present yourselves. It's what your website look like. What happens when, when somebody, a customer comes to you with a problem? How do you deal with it? All of those things are little pieces of scraps that build your brand. Advertising, sure. Your online presence, sure. Your logo design, yeah. But your logo is not your brand. Your brand is this sum total of all these scraps that people chance upon when they interact with your, with your, uh, with your brand. And, and if you go through that diamond process and ask yourself those four questions, one of the things you're going to find is there are things that matter to you, that you care about as a company. Maybe it's environmental, maybe it's, uh, it's operational efficiency, maybe it's the way you handle your customer interactions, who knows, but there's something that's gonna come out of that process that, that you really, really care about. And you can build your brand around that and you can make all those kind of scraps that you create around this brand relate to that thing that is most important to you. So the example I wanna show uh, for this is uh, a company called Patagonia, which you guys are probably all familiar with, is the outdoor apparel brand. But what they've done is they've built a whole company around this ethos of, of, of giving back the environment and taking care of the planet. And, and, and they've done some amazing, amazing stuff. And, and the actions they take in the world, the way they behave, is how they build this brand. Um, here's a cool program that they did. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, 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 it's a great example of creating behavior and activity around an ethos that is bigger than any individual thing. And that's what the, the scraps of that brand are built. So if you think about this idea of brands being a sum total of all these different scraps that you collect that relate to your company, well, what are the scraps? One of the scraps for Patagonia is we're going to go around the world and we're going to fix people's clothes because we know those clothes mean something to them. And we're going to capture those stories because we realize that the things those clothes mean to the people who buy them is what our brand is about. It's not just about making clothes. It's about the stories in the clothes. So if you start thinking about what you do, what does what you do mean to the customers who pay you to do it? What does it allow them to do? What are the stories behind the things that you're printing? When you start to find those stories, you start to find what your brand is about. And your brand's not just about printing stuff. It's about letting that woman you know, remember her days as a guide. For Patagonia, it's about letting that woman remember her days as a guide, even though she quit guiding and she went back to farming. That's awesome. There are stories in your business that will reveal your brand to yourself. 
Your brand already exists. You just need to go find those stories because that's what it is. You've probably had that thinking, and I, I know you have because you work in a commodity business, right? Which is, geez, what can I say that nobody else can say? What's true about my company that's not true about anybody else's? What's true about what I do or what I sell or how I do it that's not true of anybody else? That's really hard to find. And I would ask you to take that kind of pressure off yourself as you think about your brand. You don't have to answer that question. Where you have to, what you have to do is get somewhere first, somewhere that is true of you and important to your customers. It doesn't have to be something nobody else can say. It just has to be something nobody else is saying, right? Reebok could have said, just do it. They didn't. Nike did. And look what happens, right? Uh, so you don't have to say something no one else can say. You just have to say something no one else is saying. Get there first. So take that pressure off yourself when you start thinking about your brand. You don't have to find the thing that only you can say. You have to find something that's important to your customers, that's true of your company, and that you can build your brand around because nobody else is saying it the way you will. Brands are like people. One note people are boring. People who tell the same story over and over are boring. One note brands are boring too. When you build the brand of your company, you want to build it in a way that's flexible enough that it can come to life in lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be saying the same thing. It doesn't have to be doing the same thing. All the things you do, as different as they are, need to build up to your brand, which means they have to be unified by something. But it doesn't mean they always have to be the same. So th there's, a, there's an old quote that consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, right? You don't have to be repetitive. You just have to be true to the essence of your brand. And things need to add up the right way. When you think about the behaviors that you exhibit as a company, how, as different as they are, how do they add up to something about your brand? Remember the core competency of Geico from the exercise we went through in the strategy, which is a, the making, saving, fast, fun, and easy. Okay, that's cool. That doesn't feel like Nationwide is on your side or like a good neighbor State Farm is there. The other insurance companies have changed to start talking more like Geico in the last five or 10 years. That's cool. Invitation is a sincere floor of flattery, right? But they all feel like they come from Geico as different as they are. When you start thinking about the core competency of your company but your brand, when you do that exercise, you're gonna to start to find a voice and you're gonna to start to find a personality that fits the core competency of your company. That's Geico's. What's yours? Ruthless exclusion. Uh, I had a, uh, at Northwestern, I had a, I had a professor who was, she was really, really cool. She was a strategy professor and she defined strategy as not what you choose to do, but what you choose not to do, right? I think the same thing is true of your brand. And, and one of the exercises, one of the things that makes the exercise I went through in the beginning with the diamond kind of difficult, it seems sort of stupid easy right now when you look at it on a screen. When you go through it for your company, you'll find it's really hard. And what's hard about it is that you'll find each of those four points, you could write a book about each of those four points. You could write a book about the business dynamics of your company, right? Don't, pick one. Pick the thing that your brand has to serve, the business purpose your brand has to serve. Pick the consumer insight that is more important than any others. You're gonna find all kinds of things about your, your customer. You already know them, right? Pick one, pick the most important. That's hard. So strategy is, 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 is what you choose not to do. And when you bring your brand to life, the same thing is true. And that is that you have to be kind of ruthlessly exclusive. Here's the last thing. When you, when you build your brand and you bring your brand to life, you're gonna find when you choose not to do things. You're gonna choose not to do many, many things. 
just kind of by definition, right? Uh, and that's going to be scary. And what you have to do is push past some of that fear and the same way you did when you started your company, is to say, look, this is the thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to put all my chips on this, and we're going to go. And that's going to be a scary process. And building a brand can be a little scary because you're going to choose, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on right here, this thing right here, and that's a scary thing. But you can't let that kind of fear stop you from making the choice. So here's here's summing it up, and I love this quote. Um, and this is David Brooks, the columnist from North, from New York Times. Right, you, you got probably familiar with this guy. And somebody asked him why all these rational arguments in the last election didn't really carry the day. And what carried the day was how passionate people felt about Donald Trump. Forget about how we feel, each of us in this room, about him. David Brooks said this, and I think it's a great way to capture what a brand is about. And that is that you can't talk someone out of something they felt their way into. And the whole point of building your brand and going through that, that diamond process and thinking about the lessons that we can learn from the brands who've done this really well is this. And that is that there's something about your business and something about your company that you can make people feel more strongly about and feel more of. What is it? Think about that Patagonia video. What is the thing that you do that you can make people feel more strongly about your company than anybody else's? You don't have to use rational arguments, although rational arguments are nice. They're not enough. Because if you really, really want to build a brand that can build your business, you have to get to a point where people feel something about you. What is the thing that you can make them feel about you that they won't feel as strongly about anybody else? And, and if you answer those four questions the right way, I think you'll get to that place. And you'll be able to deliver that core competency of your company in a way that makes people feel more strongly about your brand than they are. And that's what a brand should be about. So I, 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 like, I like this quote as a way to sum up. Thank you. Uh, I hope you guys have an awesome time here at Print Hustlers. And I would be happy to answer any questions that you have or any comments or just get the hell off the stage so you can have fun. <laughs> What's the advertising budget for those for Agro? I can't tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not allowed to say. But it's it about, the, has about the same as ours, probably. Probably about the same as yours. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will tell you this, and, and it comes up all the time because Geico spends an ungodly amount of money in advertising. It, it's it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right? But but budgets are a bad excuse for a weak brand. You don't have to have any money to build a strong brand. You can literally do it for nothing. All you have to do is be thoughtful about what you want to do because you're going to behave in a way that builds that brand. Just decide what it is. Be purposeful about it. Use it to guide who you hire. Use it to guide what your, what does your office look like? What does it feel like when your customers walk in? How do you people answer the phone? What does your website look like? How does it interface with people? How's it designed? Is it beautiful? Is it easy? Is it no nonsense? Is it, you know, what is it? So the, the idea, Geico's got a massive amount of money, no doubt about it. But, but whether your company is big or small, you need to be thoughtful about your brand and you need to not use budgets as an excuse not to have a strong one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think a couple of us in the room have brands where people who are customers use us for different reasons. Yep. And so how do you have a brand that really communicates to everybody? Because sometimes being very specific is helpful yep. for clothing that specific section of people, but it 
also knocks <coughs> out the reaching of other people? Like, how do you have a more cohesive global brand? Yep, yeah. Um, the question is how do you have a cohesive brand that can talk to everybody when people who buy your product might buy it for different reasons, right? A couple of thoughts about that. One is you don't want a brand that talks to everybody. You want a brand that talks to the right people. And what that'll mean is as you think strategically about who your right customer is, you need to make some choices who your customer's not. So, so that's, a, that's a hard choice. And that's one of those arts of ruthless exclusion is that, that you're gonna make a strategic choice to not go after some people. And I don't want a brand that goes after everybody. I want a brand that goes after the right people really, really well. I'd much rather have a brand that a minority of people love than a brand that everybody knows and doesn't give a damn about, right? This, the second thing is, that's, that, that's one side of that question, but the, the, the serious side to me is, you're always gonna have customers who are motivated by slightly different things and buy your product for slightly different reasons. But there's something, there's some kind of thread and it's probably emotional that binds them together. Your, your job as a brand builder is to find that thread so that you have customers who may buy your, your product for different rational reasons, but there's something that holds them together. There's something you're doing that brings those people in and you gotta find it. You gotta, you gotta find it. Yeah. Are there any books uh, on branding that you'd recommend? Um, let's see, what's the best one? Um, Honestly, the best thing to do is to subscribe to the Harvard Business Review. They've always got great thoughts about brand. It's, a, it's, 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 it's really, really good. Um, subscribe to what The Harvard Business Review. There's a book, uh, it's about advertising, but it's about brand strategy called, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Truth Lies in Advertising, I think. It's by a guy named John Steele. It's really, really good. And it, it goes into examples many more examples that are similar to this that have lessons attached to them about how people made some decisions about what their brand is about. And it's a, it's a, it's a really fun read. When you have a budget for, for media like that, what's the typical ratio between production, budget, and distribution? Uh, depends. Um, it, it varies by category pretty widely. So in the insurance business, the media budgets are going to be really, really high. In a business-to-business -business environment, the budgets tend to be lower. I'll give you an idea of a typical television commercial that you would see on TV, that you, that you turn your TV on and see today, probably cost anywhere between $250,000, dollars and above to produce. If you're a huge national advertiser, you've got in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So that's, that's some idea of ratio, I guess. Other questions, observations, thoughts? Rotten tomatoes to throw. Um, some of us might be in like a retail space. Some of us are more business to business. It was the, our company's more business to business and, and schools and that kind of thing. What kind of strategies would you suggest when you're trying to relay a brand or a message to a business to use you or a school to use you versus, you know, we're not dealing with, you know, a person to person. You know. Yeah, right. Um, I think the strategies and the thoughts are the same um, because, it, it, because when, it, when, it, when you boil it all down, you're talking to people about buying something. And the thing that they're buying, whether they're buying it for themselves or their families or on behalf of an organization, they're buying for emotional reasons. You just got to figure out what those are. So if you're dealing with a, with a procurement person or a purchasing person in, a, in an organization, 
those emotional reasons are different than if you're dealing with, with you know, me buying something for my kids. But they're still there, and you still need to understand what they are. So I, I would say on a broad level, the, the, the process is the same, which is I want to go out and find the people who love me the most, and I want to ask them why. And I want to dig into what am I doing to make them love me so much. Some of it's going to be functional, which is that you know your customer service is great, your product is great, you've never missed a deadline, your pricing is fair, you know, whatever it is. But when you go below that, you say, okay, why, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Keep asking why that matters, and you're going to get to an emotional place. You can't help it. That's where those questions go. Um, and I would do that whether it's a business to consumer or a business to business customer. Find out what that is, because that's where the fertile ground for your brand is. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, so the process, I think, is the same. The answers may be different, but the process is the same, and the goals the same, which is to find that emotional thing that you can build around that you do really, really. Talk to, your, talk to your best employees, too. Why are, why are your best employees with you? What do they love about your company? You said you were a former CEO. What do you do now? Uh, now I consult and give speeches. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I ask it, I bet, do you do any type of online, online platform where that you lead workshops or coaching or whatever online? Uh, it's funny you say that. I, I, just, uh, I just agreed to, uh, to create an online marketing program for uh, for a college in Virginia, so I'm about to do that. Yeah, I don't have anything now, um, but I'm going to create it. So no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. So, like in, in my business, probably TV ads are not in the budget. Sure. What do you suggest are the best vehicles for getting that brand out? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it paid ads per click? Snapchat? Is there something else yeah. coming out that? I, I think it's it's all those things. So so uh, as long as everybody, I want to make sure everybody heard the question was was you know I don't have TV ads in my budget. What are the best ways to get my message out? The beauty of the time we live in right now is that all that social media stuff it's damn near free. You know, there's a whole bunch of free social media you can put your brand into and not spend hardly anything other than creating content. If your brand is a, is is simply a manifestation of your behavior every day as a company thing that you do that makes people feel great about you. There's no better way to demonstrate that than a constant presence in social media as far as I'm concerned. How do you talk? What do you say? What do you share? You know? um, so I think social media is awesome. Instagram is awesome. Um, Facebook, you know, they've had their challenges. I've kind of I've gotten a little skeptical of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, Google, all, the, all those digital channels, are incredibly important and surprisingly affordable. I would I would start there, but I would go through the same kind of way of thinking about your presence in those channels, which is, what am I saying about this brand? What is the thing I want people to understand about the brand that I've got that that, that is true to me and compelling to them? And then how do I design that presence in a way that constantly reinforces it? So if you go back to this idea of one note brands being boring, what's the thing I want to build my brand around? How do I represent that Instagram? It's going to be different than the way I represent that in Twitter. It's going to be different than the way I represent that in a printed piece that I might give to, to, a, to a prospect. But it all relates back to that thing that I've built my brand around. And that's what makes, that's what makes this business fun, is that you can, you can have an essence of a brand that you work really hard to define, and then you can think creatively about how to bring that essence to life differently in different places.
Bruce, I'll go until you tell me stop. Man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Matt. Tell me when we're out of time, and I'll stop. Okay, here's one more question.